Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. And welcome back, everybody. Hope you had an amazing weekend. You all are in for a treat today. We have the amazing chef, cool person, just all-around amazing human. Molly Ye here. You've probably seen her show on Food Network, Girl Meets Farm, but she is here today, and we're talking all things food, content, relaxing, um, pasta, and soup. We get into a whole soup discussion, which you all will hear. <laughs> um, but if you like food, if you like cooking, if you just want to hang out, this is the episode for you. So grab a seat, grab a snack, grab a chair, and let's get into today's episode. And Griff, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Colin. I'm great. How are you? Good, good. And before we get started, we always start off with the question, what the term a young influential means to you? And there's no right or wrong answer. So it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> what does young influential mean to me? That's a, that's a very good question. I think, you know, irregardless of someone's, you know, personal scale, right, or popularity, the ability to influence one person, thousands or millions, right? We all have the ability to do so. And I think, you know, with young in the title, obviously, I think when you are young, right, you have to have a propensity to take risks and be uncomfortable, regardless of what situation that is. And so for me, I think it's that combination, right, of everyone can certainly have influence. I think it just requires you to, you know, step out of your comfort zone, take risks. And, you know, I think at times be bold and go against the grain. So that's how I that's how I look at it. Come on with that perfect answer. Like, oh, we're done. Masterclass <laughs> over. Everybody just <laughs> grab a notepad on the way out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but take us back to childhood, Griff. Did you have any like business people or companies that you admired growing up that you kind of looked up to? 
Oh, it's a really good question. So for me, you know, growing up, I grew up in Colorado and my dad was in the early days of the cable television industry. And so while I wasn't aware of the actual business, right, I was probably watching Disney Channel and cartoons, right? I always knew that the thing we were watching, right, was a part of our lives in some way. Um, and there was a business behind it. And so I think for me, you know, as I grew up and, and got into high school, I was fascinated always by TV, right, and movies and, and always loved content. But I think as I started to, you know, think about college and what was next, it was immediately an interest of mine. And, you know, that was at a time too when cable television was still big, right? But was starting to see structural decline. And so my friends, right? And even I remember my parents, we heard of this thing called streaming, right? And I think Netflix at that time had just launched, right? With no original programming and, and wasn't the buzzy thing it is today. But I've always had, you know, an interest in, you know, at first the DVD business, right? When Netflix came, getting Netflix in the mail. Um, and then, you know, quickly out of high school, I, I sought a, you know, an internship in the space and, and got an internship at Stars, which was one of the few media companies based here in Colorado. And so I think I always looked at, you know, the companies, the Disney's, et cetera, of the world that I was watching, right? When I was young. But the companies that became really interesting to me in this business were those that were really powering the industry, right? Those that, sure, programmers, right, in the big studios, but who also was behind the curtains of making these things happen. And so that really piqued my interest. So, so certainly from a young age, right, I was aware of it, right? I, I knew of the industry and, and tangentially grew up in it, but it wasn't really until late high school um, that I started kind of figuring out that there was a business behind this thing, right? And the shows didn't just ma magically appear on the screen. And do you have like, because you brought up Disney Channel, do you have a favorite decom or like show? Like, <laughs> I I loved all of the so the movies they did. Right, I think you have like the Johnny Tsunamis of yes. the world and all of those sports movies, the inline skating movies. Right, that I always grew up watching. Um, I, I think I probably watched everything that was was on Disney Channel at the time, but. I think I still, during COVID, I went back and watched some of those old movies. So I think I had the the Johnny Tsunamis back on the screen. Um, but all of those kind of action-oriented movies, right, that they approached in a fun way. And I saw myself in a lot of those characters, right? Um, and so I always look back at those very fondly. One thing that still upsets me to this day is for the Halloween Town series, for everybody remembers, for Return to Halloween Town, the fourth one, they switched from Kimberly J. Brown to Sarah Paxton and Sarah, no shade to you, <laughs> but like Disney, you can't just switch Marnie's on us and, and feel like we won't notice like that. <laughs> it's Halloween ish time right now. So, you know what? That's something I like think of and I shake my fist to the sky every Halloween because <laughs> that really I know. upset me. In the new the new Halloween town is out now as well. So I think I might have to do a rerun of those pretty soon. <laughs> Um, but uh, fast forwarding, like moving forward, like, you know, you mentioned stars as an internship and others. Did you study business in school or kind of what what was your uh, kind of major or what did you focus on? Yeah, so I studied communications and economics, but I do think that my internships and also I out of my internship at stars, I, I started a company my end of my sophomore year. 
And that was really for me, like the best education I could have gotten. Um, you know, when I was at stars, the show power came out and I was fortunate to be on the data analytics and streaming team. And so really saw their first hit show, right. And started to see the movement of eyeballs from, you know, cable into stars play their streaming app around this show that really captured the cultural zeitgeist in so many ways. And so definitely my internships, right. I think accelerated my education in the industry, but also, you know, in school, just kind of better understanding, right? Economics and business case studies was certainly helpful too. And uh, like before that internship, did you feel like pressured that you really needed to have like multiple ones? Like I feel like a lot of times when when we're in college, we feel like, we need to have an internship every semester of every year to really kind of like get ourselves on the map. I was one of those where it's like I worked every summer. And so I would do like yeah. voluntary festivals and stuff to get internships. But I feel like now it's everybody's like, do I need it or do I not need it? Or kind of how do I get my like experience? Like, how did you feel? Yeah. I mean, I started working in middle school and was between soccer camps and then was an assistant teacher um, during the summers as well. And so certainly was not like, hey, I need an internship. But I think, you know, going into college, you're right, there was an immense amount of pressure, right, to get an internship after your freshman year. And and I certainly hadn't even thought about that until, right, you you get into school and, and all your friends start talking about it, right, second semester. And so for me, you know, I knew I needed to be at home, right? Internship salaries don't really allow you most times to go and live in another state. And so I started looking at companies, right, within Colorado that were interesting. And for me, it was, yeah, do I get an internship? Do I go back and, you know, coach at soccer camps again, right? What is the what is the path? And I was super fortunate to get that first internship at stars i actually interned there another summer after that as well and i think there certainly was that underlying pressure you're right but at the same time for me i was just truly interested in it and so it was you know a combination of of definitely there are those pressures i think when you get into college but i was also just seeking out a passion and wanting to learn more um and always had the goal of moving to LA, right? Being in this space in some way or tangential to this space. And so I was really, you know, in college had that, you know, kind of forward looking outlook um, as to how I could put myself in a position, right? To try to get a job in the business out of college and, and be able to move to LA as well. Yeah. I always tell people that like, it's cool if you can get the internships, but the main part is just like, don't wait for people to give you permission to do something. Like I was one of those that I wanted to get into editorial and I didn't get a lot of like internships at a lot of the top magazines. So I would start blogging or I would volunteer at stuff and just like talk to people. And so I feel like a lot of times like people forget that we have a lot of tools and access that are free to us now to display those skills. And, and now I feel like people yeah. are like, we just want to know, like, can you make a graphic design? Can you do X, Y, and Z? So you don't have to be working at a top graphic design agency to kind of prove yourself. But if you can like say create a blog or create a site or just somewhere that people can see your work that will still be, that still counts as something like, don't just like be like, if I don't get this and I'm not going to try it all, or I'm not going to exercise that skill at all. I completely agree. And that, you know, as we all know, whether it's internships or getting a job right now, being in the position of hiring people, 
you know, it's it's a very difficult thing to do. And so I had plenty of, of rejections, right? And <laughs> throughout my time in college of trying to get internships and then getting dejected, right? Getting to a final round and, and then trying to find something else. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think especially today, right? You're able to create a portfolio and body of work and do so without having to have some large company on your resume. And like you just mentioned, like having a like being in a position of like hiring and all that stuff, like being a leader at like a younger age, do you feel like you kind of have to be a lot more strict or stuff? So I feel like a lot of times like people are like, oh, I'm only this age or I'm young and I've, a lot of my peers are older than me. So I feel like if I don't say do to this or do that and like have to really be serious all the time that they're not going to take me seriously. Do you feel that? pressure or do you agree it's a it's a really good yeah it's a really good question I was I was interviewing someone last week and they asked me what's my leadership style and what's my style as a boss and that was the first time I'd ever been asked that question right because I I've worked at a couple of large media companies it was at you know consulting at Snapchat and then Roku and was at Amazon and was always an independent contributor and so for me I've really just taken the attributes of the people I have worked for that I really admire and have tried to, again, demonstrate those in the work I do. And you're right, almost everyone I do work with is older than me. And I think for me, the biggest thing is allowing people to do the things that they're best at. And for me, understanding the things that I don't know, right, which is why I hire people to come in and support me. And I know that us as a company, we can only be as strong, right, as the people we bring in and the company we have. And so for me, it's really, you know, hiring, let's say, a head of production or a head of sales. These are things that I've done, right, in the first year plus of this company and have had to learn on the spot. But there's so much for me to learn from people who have, right, 20 years of experience that we've been fortunate to bring in and that have bought into the vision of the company. So I would say I, I try to find that balance of being hands off and empowering people to do what they're best at. Um, and also just leading by example, right? You know, I, I love this company. I truly believe in what we're doing. And I think so long as, you know, the leader of the company demonstrates that right day in and day out and supports their people and that they get others within the company to buy in and truly believe in the mission, that's so critical and, and sets a really good tone, right? In a really good workplace environment. So I'm always incredibly focused on that. And I think, again, as we scale and grow, and then, you know, the folks who are reporting to me begin to have direct reports themselves, I'm going to have to continue to learn, right? And relying on our investors and advisors who have built companies, right? To really teach me, right? How to be an effective leader. So that's really something that I'm, I'm working on right now um, and certainly have looked at the people that I work for and admire, right? And business leaders that I admire and have just tried to, again, you know, put my people in a position to be successful. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times like people are scared to be like, oh, well, if I don't know that, they'll dispose of me. But it's important to know what you know and know what you don't know. Like there's nothing wrong with like, yeah. not being the best person to design this or have the be a strongest finance background. Like there might be someone who's going to know it better than you. And that also saves more time for you to focus on the things that you have a better skill set in than and like passing it on to somebody else who that's their bread and butter. So there's no weak sign of weakness in that. And admitting that, you know, like I'm not the strongest suit to do X, Y, and Z, but I can focus on one, two, three instead. 
I completely agree. Yeah, we, we've had two back-to-back shoot days. Million Dollar Listing is is doing an episode on our company and our company creating a piece of content. And with our head of production there, I am the first to admit, I don't know half of the the language, right? And <laughs> lingo around production and being on set. So, you know, it's like no one to step aside and, and let someone right do their job and, and not have the, you know, the ego to think that, you know, you can do everything just because you might be on paper leading the business. So I, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. And speaking of million dollar listing, (coughs) pivot, (laughs) tell us about (laughs) state media and like what it is, all that jazz, all that 411. Yeah, absolutely. So Estate Media was founded a year and a half ago now by myself, Josh Flagg, who has been on the show now for 15 years. He's the longest running cast member on million dollar listing. And Andrew Shanfeld, our third co-founder, who is a a co-founder of a private equity company in Los Angeles called Carrollwood. And the initial goal behind this business is, you know, the two of them had the real estate experience, which I did not, but I knew media, right, was fascinated by media and became really engrossed by what I would call the professional first creator, right? It's someone who has a core business, likely a traditional business that in the past, right, was not a content creator, right? Or did not use social media or digital platforms to grow their core business, right? But now we see the emergence of this professional first creator, whether it's dentists, dermatologists, lawyers, et cetera. And we've all seen quote unquote influencers, right? In all of these spaces, And I think looking right at even some of the amazing creators you've had on this show, they have grown, right? And have been able and, you know, listening to your podcast with, you know, Brent Rivera and, and, you know, Max Levine, you know, creating an ecosystem of people that can create content together is really the key to growth on social. It's a key to growth on YouTube. And that had not been applied to real estate. Right. Many of these individuals saw the importance of content, whether it was on television or on digital, to market their listings, right, to provide value to sellers. But at the same time, there was not that degree of cross collaboration because many of these big brokers, many of these top agents saw it as cannibalistic, right? They saw every other realtor as competition. And so the thesis here when we started this was can we build an ecosystem? And get the trust, right, of top realtors that we're going to cross-collaborate and, again, build this network of people who are going to actually work together, right, on content. They're going to cross-promote one another's content. And it's going to be additive, not just to their content, right, not just to social growth and digital growth, but also in turn to their real estate businesses. Because the better the content is that they're creating, the bigger that they are on social media, the bigger public persona that they have, the more eyeballs they can get on their listings. And in turn, right, the more successful they can be as an agent and also, you know, add more value to their clients. So that was really the initial goal of can we build this destination? And we use the two words trusted and loved, because I think in this space, we saw that you know, real estate content was fragmented and it was really on two poles, right? On one side, you had the legacy publications, which I know you know very well, Colin, who are, you know, covering the ins and outs of news, breaking news. They're very, again, 
somewhat highbrow, right? They're read by the top of the industry, but many people who are new to the industry, who might be curious in real estate, who might see real estate as a side hustle, or just curious buyers and sellers who are trying to make the right decision, right, on the biggest asset or purchase of their life, wanted to find information that was fun, right, but also that had some educational and informative value. And on the other side, you have the reality shows, right, (laughs) that you and I both love. And I think they, you know, at times, some of them, right, have more educational value than others. But I don't think that there was a digital destination that was doing that at scale. And so, again, we have brought in, you know, top real estate personalities, both agents, right, in markets across the United States, not just in major markets, not just people selling $45 million homes, but brokers in Atlanta, right, in Las Vegas. And, you know, we continue to expand into Denver and other markets because we really want to create content for, right, and speak to every audience in which real estate touches their life. Right. And that's hundreds of millions of people in this country alone. Right. Um, that real estate touches their lives right every day. And so for us, again, it's creating that roster of people that, again, create content to and can be informative for everyone. And so that's really what we're building at our core. And, you know, we also saw a very big kind of B2B opportunity in that advertisers, whether it's real estate companies, prop tech companies, luxury, interior design, appliance, et cetera, we're all trying to reach either A, the industry and the people that work in it, or B, the fans of the industry like you and I, right? But did not have a centralized place to do that at scale. Underlying that is, I think, you know, a fascination today that people follow people, right? People do follow legacy brands, but in creating a brand today, I think it's critical that you do have personalities attached, right? Personalities that are known, again, that are trusted. And so for us building an ecosystem, we wanted to align ourselves with some of those personalities that we as founders looked up to and that we knew people within this industry, right? And again, outside of the industry looked up to as well. And I feel like you were a good point too. Like, I feel like one thing that we've all kind of seen since like the pandemic over the last three years is, how a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'm just a doctor. Like nobody really cares about what I'm doing. And we've seen like the rises of like the Dr. Mike's and um, there's a lot of like dermatologists who are showing off their stuff. I feel like you really touched on that. People are now taking the fact of like social and personal branding really seriously. We're about, and that how that plays a part into their business and their growth, because you can sell 50 million in sales a month, but it's like, if you're not doing a way of like really getting the word out and really, engaging not just uh your customers and people who are like fans of the market and stuff like that nobody's really going to know about it and that's not going to help grow your business as well and so i feel like people are now saying where it's like oh there's something to this social it's not just people selling sugar bear hair or whatever that this is going to help grow my business get exposure and create a personality around it and really i can use it as a tool versus as something that's just vanity no, I, yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think within real estate specifically, it, I think it was the CEO of Douglas Elliman who said, every new real estate agent needs to be a content creator, right? To succeed today, <laughs> you need to establish that personal brand, right? And social media and by way, content is the way to do that. And so I think it's, you know, especially important in an industry that is so, again, visual, right? At the end of the day um, that, you know, it, it's even more important in real estate. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Yeah, it's like nobody wants to just read something in the um, in the system that's like, oh, five-bedroom house with bamboo floor and heated, uh, and heated <laughs> whatever. It's like, no, we want to see. And I feel like that's what's so cool about different religious stuff that we've seen, like Mauricio and other agents and uh, like Frederick Eklund and Josh Flagg and all of them is like, They'll do videos and they'll do visuals to really kind of bring customers, consumers, and people who just love it into the property and really make it come alive. And like you said, really break, like be content creators and kind of whether it's a music video or uh, just like a cool drone video of it, like they're really bringing it alive to really elevate it and kind of make bring the person along with them wherever they are. Absolutely. And, and I think there are so many unique formats and stories to be told in this space that haven't been told yet. And the opportunity we have, right, building digital first, not TV first, is we don't necessarily need to have the drama, right, and the <laughs> clickbaity type stuff to drive in millions of eyeballs, right? We can create content for you know, the B2C audience and also the B2B audience and have the ability again to test new formats and ideas and innovative ways, right, of bringing fantastic properties to life and the business to life that I don't think has been done at scale before. And like, what are some examples that you think are different? Because I feel like there will be some people who be like, oh, well, this legacy real estate company does this type of thing and so-and-so does this, like, how is a state media different than it, what they're doing? Like, what would you say? Like, are there any specific things that you guys are doing aside from like kind of helping cultivate content, but are there any like, specific, um, yeah, others? no, it's a good question. And I, I think a lot of the others, right. And, and folks in this space have, have done a very good job in their own way. I, I think a good kind of case study is what I was mentioning of, of what we were doing yesterday. So, you know, Josh has this $38 million house in Pasadena. It's, a beautiful property. It has a 20,000 square foot art museum with underground tunnels, right? It was built during prohibition. 
And instead of just doing a walk through house tour with Josh, right, which I know we've all seen and which are really entertaining, right? And, and some of the biggest agents and personalities out there do it very well. We decided to tell a story, right, of a day in the life at this property with, you know, a hired security guard, Josh having different vignettes throughout the house, right, to show off the features of this home, him going into the tiki bar they've built, right, him in the movie theater, you know, watching an old movie scene. We've, we've created this really kind of fun format. You know, we have celebrity cameos in the shoot, right, with Denise Richards coming in and, you know, an iconic pool scene that we have at, at the pool in the backyard. And for us, and even talking to the homeowner of this property, what we really see our value in is both A, certainly bringing new creative concepts to light, but B, is the ecosystem that we've talked about. And so when I talked to the homeowner, he asked, you know, how many people are going to see this piece of content? And I think before, right, Josh has a big following, right? He has a million and a half followers across platforms. And that's a lot of people, right? Maybe a couple hundred thousand people on his social media would have seen that asset before. But how we look at it is, can we take this asset, right, and post and promote it, right, and bring it to audiences, not just through Josh, but through estate media's owned and operated channels, right? Which includes a couple hundred thousand followers on social, our YouTube page. We have five newsletters now, which reach over 60,000 folks, many of whom are professionals. But then more exciting than that is the ecosystem of other content creators. So we work with folks like Zillow Gone Wild, Zillow Tastrophes, and Zillionaire Max, to name a few, who post really incredible homes, right? And are known for sharing really kind of remarkable properties, those that are, you know, really high price, but also just really kind of cool and eclectic homes. And so for us, it is adding value to, you know, our agent network, Josh in this example, B to the homeowner, and then C, you know, we're able to provide really cool dynamic content to those three accounts I mentioned, right? Exclusive behind the scenes access. We can get them on property, right? To create content as well, which delights their audiences. And again, amplifies the potential reach, right? And impact of any property that we're looking at. So that's just one example of how we think about, you know, the process of, you know, ideation through production and then really getting into the promotion of that asset, And I think overall, right, taking a step back and using that again as an example for us, it's how can we do a lot of those things right around our personalities, show who they are as people and find that right mix of content, right, that is generally enjoyed by consumers, right, and broad audiences, but also for the industry as well. So that'll look like deep dives, right, into real estate specific topics that agents and brokers are going through today and, you know, a high interest rate environment. So again, telling stories and educating people, you know, for free, right, with big personalities that people want to see, but those personalities haven't either A, right, had the time, had the knowledge, right, and certainly the ecosystem to reach these people at scale. And like with the creator examples that you mentioned, like, do you feel like you have to tell them different examples of how to reach, say, millennial audiences and uh, business people and Gen Z ones? Do you feel like there's like a formula you guys try to do to reach various types of audiences? Because looking at a real estate, there's so many age groups and so many people like looking at it, but each audience might have a different thing. Like the younger ones might want to see more videos and more like kind of fun type content versus 
more of the older business owners and brokers and stuff might want to see a little bit more serious where it's like just stats and kind of really get in there and physically kind of see this stuff. Like, do you feel like there's like a form that you guys try to do to balance that? Yeah, we, we look at our audience and, you know, kind of break down our audience, as I mentioned, in, in the B2B side, right? So there are four to five million real estate professionals. I think there are nearing now two million licensed agents, right? Within that, you have folks of different experience levels, right? They work within different segments of the industry. And as you said, dependent on where they are in the industry, where they are in their career, right? We're going to need to create and do create content, right, that speaks to all of those people. So if it's someone coming out of college or high school even, right, who wants to become a real estate agent, that content, right, in that age group is going to necessitate a very different type of information, right, and sophistication level than someone who is trying to take their business, right, from 10 to 50 million. And so very much on the B2B side of things, we look at a mix of both, you know, creators we're working with, right, and working with people of different experience and age levels, and also the mediums in which we're using. So as you mentioned, with a B2B audience, we really love the newsletter business and, you know, delivering, you know, prudent, timely information to people in their inboxes on a weekly basis. And then on the B2C side of things, right, you have 12 to 13 million buyers and sellers per year in the US. And then obviously, many more millions of people who are looking or just generally curious and what's going on in the market. And so to bring those people into our ecosystem to discover what we're doing, we think about concepts, right, that have that commercial value that are entertaining, right, at their core, but also do educate and tell the story, right, of a property or of a business. And certainly, as you said, right, so for someone, you know, like my mom, who, you know, (laughs) might have very different interests than, again, you know, someone who's in high school, we definitely have to think about our programming strategy differently. So the latter might look like a series we did with Marco Edigui, who's one of the biggest mortgage influencers today. She's in her 20s. We did a breakdown of celebrity home transactions that was, you know, fun, edited, kind of in that quick kind of Snapchat-like style, right, that those that age group is used to and consumes. And so it's very much a balance for us, right, of both format. So what is the format of this content? Does that fit the age group and demographic we're trying to reach? Be talent, right? Does the talent look like, speak to, et cetera, that audience we're trying to reach and being able to do that again in a diversified way across mediums. And uh, speaking of just like engaging that, like when you brought up your mom, I was thinking of like people sitting in at like the real estate conferences and like the people in the room that ask like the million questions. Like, do you guys um, have plans of doing in-person events that kind of engages people also on that like personal level as well as um, just doing the content? I know real estate's one of those where people like to touch, see and interact and really network and figure out, like you said, bring their 10 million business to 50 million and really get in there and really learn that insight. Absolutely. You know, courses, communities, both virtual and in-person are are a very big priority for us, especially the end of this year and heading into 2024. And I think there are, you know, there are companies in the space, obviously, within every industry that have many events, right? And so for us, the thinking is, how do we build education, right, online? How does that education funnel into a community, right, where these people are able to engage with both big personalities and also one another, right, on a daily, weekly and monthly basis. So that will look like, you know, 
Slack channels, et cetera, right, where people can communicate, ask questions, problem solve. It'll be bringing in our big personalities to engage with those folks as well, right, on a regular basis. And then building that community and, as you said, right, fostering, you know, an in-person event, right, in-person ways of, you know, facilitating connection and, you know, having a mix, again, of, you know, the networking type events so people can get to know one another and also speakers and fireside chats. So we're really looking at that right now and trying to best understand what the need is, right? So what are the current conferences and events doing well, right? What are they perhaps missing, right? Or where's the white space for us? And so we're very much looking at alignment across talent as well, right? So what talent, again, can come together, right, in person or in a, or in a virtual community? And what is the balance, right, between those people? And so definitely that's something that our team is hard at work at. And, you know, events <laughs> take a lot of work and, you know, we, we want to do it well. And so we're certainly in that kind of preparation and discovery phase right now. And, I know you've been to probably plenty of real estate events, Colin. So if you have any tips um, or things you want to see, please let me know as we're doing this. But it's absolutely part of the plan for this company as we move forward. No, it's always funny. Every time uh, I think of real estate, once again, I used to do so many of the brokers opens and events where it's just like, the giant ice sculpture in the middle <laughs> in the cocktail shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. and then they're like, walk around, look around. The, and it's just the like charcuterie board. Literally. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like what, el- what else are we going to do here? And it's like, I feel like it's the ones where it's like, you were able to have the fireside chat and like kind of get into more of the like off script where you're just like talking and just like being realistic about stuff and kind of taking away the fluff. I feel like that's what makes it more lively and i feel like that's for events overall like industry type ones like i feel like a lot of times like people try to be like oh well, we need to come across this block this or this and i always tell people i'm like look when people go to events they're trying to get out they want to be away from work they're away from their kids their spouses and they want to just hang out and have fun so like you have to just do yeah, things yeah. that like engages them and just like kind of like bring the like what is it? Toil and drape? What's the word? Like the, uh, what's, that, what's that word? Like bring the veil down. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> bring yeah, the yeah. Veil down and there just we like, go. Yeah. It's just like, net, just like be real and network and just talk about like what's going on. And I feel like that's when you really start to get into the real talk and really start to network and find that common ground. And your business really starts to not just foster that community, but then like other things kind of start versus trying to com- be like, Oh, I need to be like, this legacy brand or that one over there because this is how it's always been done. So we can't really drift too far away from like what they've been doing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, there are so many exciting trends in real estate, right? Whether it's, you know, the emergence of virtual reality and augmented reality, right? And how that's being integrated, obviously, AI, right? There are all of these things, right, that are so critical today that people want to to know. And as you said, right, people also want to have fun. And, and you know, again, after the conference is done, right, get dinner and, and network and meet other people. So I, I completely agree that both of those elements are so critical to having a successful event and community. And speaking of just homes in general, do you have a favorite room in a house? Like mine's the bath. I like I'm a I love a good bathroom and I love a farmhouse sink in the kitchen. <laughs> like, do you have like a favorite, <laughs> a favorite room? It's that's so funny. Um, 
you know, I, <laughs> you know, I'm from Colorado and, and growing up in the mountains, I, I certainly like the, you know, the kind of modern mountain vibe um, that that will always be home for me. I, you know, I think also being in this business now and getting to see, you know, 50, $100 million homes in, in LA, right, and in other cities, I'm a, I'm a big fan, even in this house in Pasadena, right, of homes that have been built, right, let's say, in, in you know, kind of the early 1900s and have been restored, right, really <laughs> with purpose. Um, I'm not the biggest fan, right, of kind of the the modern white box, right, uh, that we're no. seeing in the hills today. I think I think people, you know, the architects and, and the folks behind those, there are certainly an audience for that. But I really love, you know, kind of mid-century modern architecture. And I think even some of the content that we've done, right, around old homes, one of our creators, Zillionaire Max, only profiles mid-century moderns and in, in, in homes as well. And, and there's such a huge audience for that. So, you know, I think that would be my answer. Um, you know, obviously to Colorado having, you know, the mountain vibe, but also looking at some of these homes in LA, right, that, that I've been fortunate enough to tour and, and go into and spend time in. Really finding those old gems that have been preserved is, is probably my favorite. I also think my Roman Empire is French doors. If I see French doors somewhere, <laughs> I <laughs> that is my Roman Empire. I'm talking about French doors. On a one of our, yeah, one of our one of our creators, Samir, who runs Zillow Gone Wild, has all of these inside jokes with his audience, and one of them is circle mirrors. Right? It's always whenever he sees a circle mirror in a Zillow listing, it's like the alarms go off. So there are so many kind of like just funny funny things, right? That you see just looking at tens, if not hundreds, of properties that that start to. Uh, you know, that starts to make themselves clear and you can find themes throughout. <laughs> and to wrap us up, like for everybody who's listening, it's been like, oh, Griff, cool. Love this. That like, you guys are kind of shaking up the real estate industry, shaking the table, flipping it like Teresa. Um, what advice do you have for <laughs> someone who's like, who wants to disrupt their industry, whether it be in real estate or dentistry or any other business? Like what advice would you have for them to kind of find their own niche and new way of doing business in their realm? It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a good question. I think, you know, for me and, and, you know, even kind of coming up with this idea and understanding the space, I would say two things. One is surrounding yourself. And I, I know it's fairly cliche, right? But surrounding yourself with people that are far smarter than you. And so in the early days of this company, as we started to conceptualize what it could look like, I spent hours and hours and hours trying to talk with people who had built media businesses, right, who had worked in real estate to try to understand what their path to disruption was, right, and how they thought about starting a business and scaling a business. And again, uh, you know, especially within an industry like entertainment, right, there are certainly a lot of people here. There are a lot of legacy brands that have done an incredible job, right, of building audience and you know, consumer loyalty. And so the first for me, right, and something I always go back to is finding people who have done it before, right, and learning the stories from them, finding the thematics throughout, right, that, you know, were part of their stories and their success. I think number two is looking at things, you know, and I think it's it's easy to say, like, what do you like, right? And starting to look at the data points right across the things you consume on a daily basis and saying as a consumer, right, what, like, what do I want and what do I think could be better? 
And in my home search journey, right before I started this company, you know, looking for a condo or a home in LA, right, there were certainly pain points in that journey. And, you know, being a first time home buyer for me, right, it was like there, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. There was not a lot of readily available information, right. And so, you know, having that in the back of my mind, and then again, trying to survey the industry that I was in, right, being within entertainment, being at a company like Roku and then Amazon, where I was able to see what people were consuming, what people were watching, right, and what was doing well. And then also surrounding myself, not just with experts, but also people my age, right, who had similar levels of experience who were working in other industries. Because I think the more you can be around folks, right, who are out of your industry, you start to look and find areas of disruption and opportunity. And so for me, it was having a lot of friends who worked in social media, right, who worked with creators, who worked with influencers, and then having my career, right, where I had done some of that work, right, of bringing kind of digital first personalities to companies like Roku, but I was really in this traditional streaming landscape. And so understanding, right, multiple industries and perhaps seeing, you know, areas of opportunity between them, right, that others wouldn't, right, who are just in one business or one industry or very siloed in their day-to-day work, I think was critical here. Um, Because I very much saw, right, a convergence, obviously, of real estate and personality within traditional media, right, which is where I was working, But then again, seeing that some of my friends, right, were either creators or had built incredible creator networks and that this wasn't being done in this space. Right. And that's kind of where the light went off for me. So those two things, I think, are are critical and and would be my advice to anyone who's looking to start something right in any industry and be disruptive. Come on. Well, you heard it here first. People live, laugh, love (laughs) and surround yourself with good people. Absolutely. Uh, But Griff, thank you so much. This was so insightful and so good. And we appreciate all the gems he dropped on us today. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate it. Always good talking with you. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 